Welcome to the Run Culture Podcast. My name is Dane Verway. I'm an experienced runner and running physiotherapist. I created this podcast not only so I had an excuse to talk running each and every week, something that I love to do, but more importantly, this podcast gives me the opportunity to interview fellow runners, friends and health professionals in a relaxed and easygoing format. This podcast is designed for the everyday runner, so we can all live, learn, grow and enjoy everything there is to running together. I hope you enjoy the show. All right, welcome back to another episode of the Run Culture Podcast. Today I'm very excited to be interviewing young up-and-coming distance running superstar from hailing from Dunedin, New Zealand, Ollie Chignall. Hi mate, how are you? Great to be here. Yeah, I'm I'm wrapped to have you on the show. I, like I first um, came aware of you, Ollie, um, the start of last year. I went to um, Caden Shields, a mutual friend of ours, uh, wedding, and um, I was chatting to um, your coach, uh, Chris Pallone, and he was like, "Oh, um, full of praise of of you." And uh, yeah, do you mind um, introducing yourself to the listeners and um, a little bit about um, your career so far? Yeah, sure thing. So I'm a um, I'm a, a predominantly five and ten k runner, um, hailing out of yeah Dunedin, New Zealand. So um, right down the south of the South Island. Um, yeah, I've got uh, PBs of thirteen thirty eight in the five k and twenty eight forty eight over the ten k, which are both uh, quite recent PBs and. Um, uh, hopefully, um, planning on heading to Tokyo Olympics this year if, uh, if all goes well. Yeah, we're um, myself and uh, and Pallone, we're, we're really sort of having a good crack at, at trying to get there. So um, yeah, so I guess uh, Olympic hopeful. You'd sort of you'd put me down as. That's awesome. So, what have yeah. you got planned? Uh, you know, if, if um, Tokyo goes ahead uh, for this year, what have you got planned in terms of races um, coming up? Uh, so I've actually over the next uh, four weekends I've got three races. So we've got our national three k champs, which is this weekend. Uh, the week after, um, got a mile at the uh, famous Cooks Gardens where Peter Snell broke the world record. So um, would be would be really cool to, to run a sub four minute mile there. And then two weeks after that, we've got a five k. Uh, which is looking to be sort of our our really fast 5k in New Zealand. Uh, so we're going to have uh, similar to the one that uh, I ran my PB at, which is in Auckland, middle of December, so only about a month ago. And yeah, we're looking at sort of you know aiming uh, aiming below that 13:30 mark. And uh, I would imagine that there will probably be a few New Zealanders who will get who will get under that barrier. Nice and. Um, I- like I heard you do a few interviews recently and um, it seems like there's a few New Zealanders um, that otherwise would be overseas at the moment um, because of COVID. Mm. Um, just like, is Matt Baxter still local? Like, is he still hanging around for that race? And will you, will you have yeah, quite a few yeah, guys so there? Yeah, so he's he's sticking around. You know, we've got we've got the usual guys who would usually be in New Zealand around this time, you know, the likes of myself. Um, and then, you know, you've also got all the triathletes, you know, the likes of Hayden Wild, who would be overseas at the moment, but of course he's still here. Uh, yeah, Matt Baxter, he's still here as well. Uh, Geordie Beamish, who was also at Northern Arizona, he's back here, so I think he potentially might be having a run over the three k this weekend. Uh, so yeah, it's just it's just a, a much bigger pool of really 
top quality athletes. You know, I think we had something like six, six or seven people go under fourteen minutes um, at the at the race that we had in Auckland. Which I mean, I can't. You know, the last time that would have happened in New Zealand would have been years and years ago. It must be pretty exciting because. Um, Towards the end of year, it was a sort of you getting back into form, and uh, mm. they looked like you had a good three k, and and then a good ten k um, at in Wellington where you ran twenty eight forty eight, and and then yeah, like yep. you mentioned, nine of the night of fives at in Auckland, um, December the eighteenth, uh, running thirteen thirty eight. Um, uh, was that uh, an Otago men's record um, that five k? Yeah, yes, yeah, so that was um, yeah, that was my first uh, first Otago men's senior record. So, um, so that's quite cool. So you took a, a couple of seconds off uh, Blair Martin's old mark. Yeah, that's fantastic. And um, yeah. that twenty eight forty eight um, in the ten thousand on the track uh, was that your debut? Yeah, that was my debut. Yeah, I was um, I was hoping it would go a wee bit better um, for. Uh, I don't know how much the people uh, listening will know about Wellington, but uh, it's nicknamed Windy Wellington for a reason. And, uh, yeah, we had a, a pretty solid headwind howling down the front straight for most of it. Um, I think realistically, you know, had the weather been slightly more ideal, we would have been looking at, you know, lower 28s, 28-20 or, or below. You know, I'd, I'd had... Um, I'd had sessions and my training had been indicative of that kind of time but you know 28 48 for a first 10k to be able to go sub 29 you know that's awesome and to give our listeners a bit of perspective um towards the end of 2019 after a huge sort of breakthrough season um mm. over in europe uh you suffered um a pretty pretty decent injury um so um yeah do you mind sort of um backtracking a little bit to um, back um, firstly in Europe and how, how big a breakthrough that season was um, and then sort of what you've been through since yeah sure so I mean like you say yeah, Europe was, was a, a big breakthrough the year before that I'd had a really great domestic season um, won a few national titles in my first year as a senior and so you know the plan was to go over to Europe and have a really good crack uh, ran some awesome PBs, you know, ran 8.03 over 3K, uh, ran 13.46 while I'd been uh, a wee bit under the weather as well uh, in Belfast. And so, you know, I'd, ha I'd had some really good races and great experience for me. Uh, came back and I was pretty much just carrying on that form and I was just getting fitter and fitter. I ran uh, ran the Auckland Half Marathon uh, and won there with a new course record, which is just under 66 minutes, but uh, realistically on a flat course would have been looking at, you know, 63 flat, um, if, if not under, but Auckland's a bit of a tough course. Um, but yeah, and then just after that, we'd been planning to planning for me to run at the night of fives uh, over the five k, and it was a culmination of a few things. But yeah, I gained up quite, I gained quite a um, quite a serious stress fracture on my sacrum. Uh, ended up being pretty yeah, pretty solid. Like it was, it nearly turned into a, a full fracture because it was because it was that big. Uh, so it ended up being 10 or 11 weeks completely off running. Uh, I think I was back running middle of Feb this year. So it's been it's been a tough year. Yes, it, years definitely ebbed and flowed uh, as we came along, um, definitely in fitness and training-wise. But I seem to be um, 
seem to have rounded off 2020 uh, with some good results and coming into 2021 uh, a lot better, a lot stronger. Nice. And um, how did you get into athletics, Ollie? Um, so I've just been listening and uh, to a few podcasts you've done in the past and then reading a little bit about you and it looks like you were actually uh, pretty keen to do discus initially um, and uh, mm. yeah, you started pretty young. Yeah, well, I yeah, I mean, I've been doing athletics since I was six. So you know, um, yeah, uh, what sixteen years, sixteen coming up on you know seventeen years. So I've um, I I actually started playing uh, football when I was um, oh, I guess if you're an Aussie, no football, not AFL soccer. Um, yeah. But yeah, so we're um, yeah, so I started playing um, I started playing when I was five years old, and then. Yeah, just sort of mum and dad, they did quite a bit of running themselves. And so I just thought that I might like to have a crack at it. So um, myself and my three siblings, we all sort of jumped in and decided to start doing it. We started with the Harrier season and then moved on to the, the track season the year after. And uh, yeah, it was it was awesome. I, I loved it. I just sort of, and ever since, just been been doing it. So I continued to play soccer until I was about um, until I was about 14. And then everyone started growing and, um, and I didn't. So, uh, yeah, so, so I, I realised that this physique was definitely more suited for the distance stuff. And I think uh, a wee bit earlier, I'd sort of realised that the discus thing probably wasn't going to, probably wasn't going to, yeah. It's pretty funny if you yeah, look at Ollie and uh, definitely don't look like a discus thrower. No, 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 that is the last thing that you would think. <laughs> Compare me to someone like Tom Walsh or Marshall Holt. No, just, not. Well, uh, you know, you chose running. What what drives you most to run? Like, what are you most passionate about? Uh, like, why do you like running? Why do you still run? Um, what keeps you going? And and why do you love this sport? Well, I think um, I think one just starting it as a as you know as early as I did. It's just been a part of my life for so long that I mean. When I was injured, it was just the weirdest thing, just not being able to not being able to run. It's not that I didn't want to run; it's just that I couldn't. And um, you know, that break had been the longest break from training that I'd had for oh, a decade. Um, so it was just it was just crazy. But I think I think what drives what would drive most you know good athletes, you know, track and field athletes, is you know the desire to win. And, um, you know, above all, I mean, there's nothing better for me, to be honest, than crossing the finish line first. And, uh, you know, and coming in second, third, fourth, you know, that just gives you more and more hunger just to come back and get over the line first. Um, so, yeah, but I mean, I, I still just love it. I mean, even though the weather um, where I live is pretty rubbish half of the year and, you know, even over the summer, like it's meant to be summer now, I think it's about 12 degrees and uh, raining right now. So, you know, and we're meant to be in the middle of summer, but I still love it. You know, it's just, it's awesome to go out and train. It just gives you gives you something to do. And for me, it gives me a lot more purpose with what I'm doing at the start and end of my days. And, um, you know, I can fill up the middle, but with university work and, you know, playing PlayStation and that kind of thing, but it gives me, you know, you know, that morning and afternoon is, um, yeah, if I'm focusing that on running, then, yeah, it just gives the, the day a lot more structure and a lot more purpose. Um, you've, you're currently coached by Chris Pallone, um, and, uh, yeah, I noted that you've had a couple other coaches, uh, Dave Stinson and Jim Baird. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, who are your sort of, for, who was your first coach and, um, 
And then what have you sort of learnt um, through those coaches um, and sort of what was, uh, I guess, training like growing up in New Zealand, um, especially down in Dunedin? Like, was there a group or was a lot of it solo? Um, yeah, just paint a picture of um, that sort of uh, early early childhood and then also through the teenage years of what running training was like. Yeah, so I mean, I mean, you've got, you've got a bang on there. So I've had three running coaches and you just named all of them. So my first one was Jim Beard uh, and he coached uh, me from, oh, I was probably from about 10 to 11, but that wasn't a whole lot of stuff. That was, you know, we'd turn up two or three times a week and he'd, he'd take us through some sessions. But he had a, a big group at that time that could have been, you know, north of 30, 40 people, which for down here is, you know, is a, a very big deal. Um, and so, yeah, he was he was quite a hard ass. Uh, I think the biggest <laughs> thing I learned from him, biggest thing I learned from him was uh, just not to, you know, you've got a lot of time in your running career. You don't have to go and start doing everything when you're in high school. Um, you know, I saw a lot of his athletes um, push themselves really hard really early, and they got great results in high school. You know, they were they were awesome athletes in high school, but. Um, once they've left high school, once they've continued into the senior ranks, which is where you're doing the major stuff, um, that's you know that's a, that's sort of stopped. Um, then, which is a shame, but I think only being with him for a year and a half or so uh, was was probably quite good, probably quite good for me. Definitely quite good for the body. Uh, <laughs> and then from him, I effectively moved directly to my next coach, Dave Stinson, who I'd, yeah, he'll still be the coach you've been with for the longest at the moment. And so I was with him all through high school, and um, and he was great to be honest. You know, he was um, I'd see him two or three times a week. You know, just for doing you know track sessions and that kind of thing. Um, but he was very different to Jim Beard in the way that he was sort of nurture myself and his athletes. He had a smaller group of athletes as well, so you know he looked after us um, all when we did our training sessions on a more personal level so he'd actually be able to divvy up you know okay well you three are going to do that uh, you two are going to do that but at a slower pace and you three are going to go do another you know another completely different thing um and so that was really good and i think i owe i think i owe i owe sort of a lot to dave um based on how I've gone um, and how I've progressed into the senior years because I haven't, because I've just got so much more room to grow. You know, I I think that, you know, up until when I was uh, 18, yeah, 18 years old, I, the biggest week I'd ever done running-wise probably would have only been about 80K a week, you know, and that, and I, I didn't even track, like, my Ks or anything like that. So it was just, you know, popping down for a few sessions a week. I might have a tempo, a long run, and then, you know, just some easy runs in the middle. Yeah, yeah, fantastic. Yeah. Um, yeah. When I was chatting to Chris Pallone, he was quite complimentary about um, you being sort of uh, quite a wise head and, and you had a sort of, you were a student of the sport and, and he, he, yeah. he said you were, um, uh, yeah, you sort of understood the sport and, and you, do you, is that just come from you that you like following the sport and, and um, or was that a lot of um, some learnings that you took from um, yeah your your, um, your time with uh, yeah Dave Stinson and uh, yeah yeah I think I think definitely student of the sports a, a great way to put it um, yeah. you know I I think yeah just 
having been in it from such a young age, it's just something that I've, I've just learned to just be so interested in. And um, I think I sort of, when it would come to doing certain sessions and certain, certain type of work and periodization and that kind of thing, most people, especially in their teenage years, would just do it. Um, but I was always interested to know, okay, well, why are we doing this? Um, why is that put there, you know, when we're tapering, why are we doing this and that? And that was not so much from a learning point of view, more so as a, that's just interesting and I'm just interested to ask, you know, just always asking lots of questions and that kind of thing. I've been the same as, you know, since I was a kid, just was asking lots of questions and, you know, sometimes you get answers, sometimes you don't. And um, I think that Chris, Chris sort of twigged onto that quite, uh, quite quickly because I was always, you know, interested in why we're doing certain stuff. And um, when I first started with him, the first thing that he got me to do was, the first thing he gets all his athletes to do is just write out a big list of um, sessions and training that does work for them and doesn't work for them. And usually he gets maybe half a page, and I think I sent him about three pages just of, 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 do's, and, of do's and don'ts, stuff that I just know definitely doesn't work and I know that doesn't respond to me. And I honestly don't think that he's gone into any of the don'ts column. I actually looked into it, um, I think, late last year, and looked at it and I'd said, yeah, I, I honestly can't remember doing any of those don't sessions. Um, ever with him, but all of the do's, it's just, it's pretty much just, it's like on repeat. Yeah. <laughs> oh, great. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I remember this, uh, I, I think I read in one of, in an interview you did with Athletics New Zealand, um, uh, they asked, what's the biggest regret in your career so far? And you sort of mentioned that the wheels almost came off in 2016, the first year out of high school. Um, <clears> can you sort of hail back to that time and, and sort of uh, what you're going through and, and how you, how you snapped out of it and, and sort of got through that stage of your career? Yeah, well, I mean, to be honest, it's pretty plain and simple, and it's the same thing that happens to the majority of people when they come to University of Otago. I don't know if the reputation of University of Otago has spread to Australia, but it's essentially just a piss-up. It's not a piss-up university, yeah. but a lot of people come here, you know, for that culture and that kind yeah. of thing. And it's very easy just to get yourself, um, you know, just to, to pile yourself into that. And um, I think I was just, I was I was still enjoying myself, but I think I was just not worrying so much about the athletic side of things. Um, and, you know, just focusing on other things and, you know, just being a part of that culture, um, not not super consciously it was just you know just wanted to be a part of it and you know i was busy doing other things you know hanging out with people or, or doing stuff uh even during the day instead of you know going and going and training um but i think that's you know sometimes that kind of kick up the ass is um is, is really helpful you know um and because 2017 uh 2017 you know ended up being a great year for me because ended up winning my first like national title, club national title in the under-20s because I, I changed to Pelai and I realised that I needed a change and, you know, fresh start and, you know, uh, got another two silver medals and then obviously 2018 turned out to be, you know, my best year domestically. So, um, so yeah, so I think it was, it was definitely a regret, but I think it definitely, you know, it made me, um, made me want a lot more out of the sport and made me sort of, into the athlete that I am now. It's a tricky balance, isn't it? Because I've also 
heard you talk about rigidity and um, sometimes mm. being too focused um, mm. uh, and, and the, the pitfalls of that. Uh, mm. Yeah. Um, what do you think are some of the biggest uh, changes um, have been since you've moved to Pallone in terms of, uh, you know, whether it was training or whether it was mindset? What, what do you put down your improvement um, uh, now, like over the last two or three years, um, down to um, is it just consistency and and just because you've been patient over time, things are starting to fall into place? Or yeah, what 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 do you feel like some of the biggest um, uh, what what has led to some of the biggest improvements in your running the last few years? I think uh, I think definitely you know with with Pallone, it's been about um, the biggest change has just been the structure and you know having properly fully structured training because with um, my previous coach previous coaches you know I was sort of filling in the blanks in between but having a proper you know regimented training and um, proper periodization and that kind of thing that's been the biggest change you know uh, and. Because of because of those changes, you know, that's sort of brought out the athlete that was always in me and always ready to go, but it just needed that proper training, um, that proper training to come through. And, you know, that also leads to so the, you know, the structure also leads often to me, a massive thing for me is mindset as well, because um, I I listened to Pallone's, um, to Pallone's podcast and he was talking about, uh, you know, that now like I'm very, you know, sure, you know, like I, I, I know that if I'm going into a race that I'm good um, and, you know, I'm, I'm not going and, you know, worrying and thinking that I'm a bad runner because I know that that's not true. And I think with the structure and with how good the training is, I know when I'm training what sort of shape I'm in and I always end up fronting up to races now um, in great form and knowing that, you know, I'm, I'm going to be able to deliver. Fantastic. And so that um, coach-athlete relationship, that's through correspondence, is it? Um, like is Pallone based in mm. Auckland and... And then you're down south. Um, it, yeah, yeah. So he's yeah. So he's based, um, you know, right up north, and I'm down south. I see him, uh, you know, for for most races. Uh, I'll see him, especially the ones up north. Uh, occasionally, I'll see him for the ones down south. Um, and I mean, yeah, when we were in, he was over in Europe with me, so you know, he he watched all of those races. Um, yeah, so it's it's correspondence, but it's actually you know people always say, oh, it could be, isn't that quite hard? You know, how do you cope with that? But it's really not that difficult. You know, I think especially because I know as an athlete how to manage myself well, and um, I'm streetwise enough with my training that Pallone knows I'm not going to go and if I if he tells me to go do eight by k at two fifties, I'm not going to go out and do the eight by k at two forties. Um, you know, yeah, yeah, it's just yeah, being streetwise about it. You know, yep. And then um, yeah. what does a typical week look like from a Monday to Sunday um, under your current sort of system? Um, so at the moment, I guess, well, I mean, at the moment with racing and stuff, it's obviously a wee bit different, but just on, on a regular week, uh, a regular week, you know, you'd be looking at just an, an easy double on an easy double on Monday. Uh, Tuesday could be an easy double or... Um, Easy double or just, you know, an easy hour, hour and five. 
Um, Wednesday, you'd be looking at either a midweek long run of an hour 40, hour 45, uh, or if, um, it's, if you're going to do a session that week, you know, do a, a long steady state or something, so that could be 30, 40 minutes steady state, or might be getting on the track. Uh, but with those sessions, always try and get 90 minutes of running done. Um, so, you know, it might end up being a 30-minute extended warm-up and then you'll get a 40-minute tempo in and then a 20-minute warm-down. So it ends up being, you know, you're essentially doing 21, 22Ks within that. Uh, and then, yeah, and then we'll come back and, and double in the afternoon as well. So, I mean, so you look and, yeah, so double, yeah, double Monday, potentially double uh, Tuesday and, you know, sometimes double Wednesday. Um, Thursday is... Um, Usually a very sort of short uh, double, but we'll do some kind of strides or something in the afternoon. Just get the legs ticking over and a bit of speed work. A Friday's super easy day, just one one short jog. Um, I'm uh, I've been twigged on by Kate into the Saturday long runs. I um we quite it's something that when he lived down in Dunedin, uh, we do quite a lot of. So Saturday mornings usually usually long runs. Um, we try to get you know a couple of hours in, and then come back on Sunday and you know do 70, 75 minutes, just nice and cruisy, just on some trails or something. Nice, nice. Um, and yeah. is, is all of that um, solo? And um, yeah, what's the running like down in Dunedin? Running in Dunedin is actually awesome. I yep. mean, bar the weather, it's actually really good. The only thing, I always say the only thing we don't have is flat trails. We've got, you know, amazing hilly trails and, you know, we've got great places to do tempos and workouts and that kind of thing. Great long run um, circuits and that kind of thing. But um, it just flat running is a wee bit hard to get here. Uh, but it's awesome, you know. A lot of my a lot of my easy doubles in the evening, I'll I'll do with people. But the majority of the you know the harder stuff can end up being solo. Uh, I'm pretty fortunate in that you know if I'm on the track uh, doing sessions or something, I'll uh, my girlfriend she's awesome. She'll come along and she'll pace me on the bike or even just ride alongside me. Uh, same with tempos. Uh, and you know threshold work um, even on long runs you know she'll so even if it's on hills or something she'll jump on uh, jump on an e-bike or something and just ride along with me which I mean just having company over that two hours makes it go a whole lot quicker and then parents are awesome as well because they'll come down and you know watch or, or time the reps when we're on the track and stuff so yeah some of it can end up being solo and a bit lonely but I think a lot of that ends up um, paying off in the, um, in the top two inches you know you just uh, especially, you know, when you're ready to race, you know, you, you're used to, as you need a front run, you know, you're, you're ready to front run, you're ready to be out there and, and just do it yourself. Fantastic, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah uh, you just mentioned Caden Shields, yeah, mutual friend mm -hmm. of ours, um, and yeah, yeah, he's been on the podcast as well, you know, great marathoner mm -hmm. and physio um, based in New Zealand. Um, he uh, sent me through a question. He, he asked, who owns the second heel of the Watatis? The Waitats. Oh, the Waitats. <laughs> right. So, yeah, so uh, some, I think uh, some people might have heard of the Waitaks uh, with a K, the Waitakere Rangers, which is uh, one of the, that was Lydia, after Lydia's, you know, famous, famous, you know, I think it was 22 mile uh, long run that they would do every weekend from Lydia's house. Um, and Dunedin's version of that is the Waitats. Um, so it's a loop that essentially takes you all the way out to Waitati uh, and back. And it's essentially just got, it's, if you look at the elevation profile um, on Strava, it just goes up and then goes down and then goes up 
and then goes down and then that's a so there's about 700 meters of climbing in it and the first hill is roughly about 40 minutes long the second hill would usually take about 35 but when Caden and I do it we're usually looking at it was usually looking about 29 minutes um so I think what Caden's wanting me to say is that he's the king of that hill but I think he knows that I'd probably I'd probably uh smack his ass going up there so um yeah so that this will be a nice one for him to listen back to yeah so I'm the king of the second white hat so thanks Caden no, fantastic. Um, I want to go back to your time in Europe. Um, you mentioned before that, you know, running solo here and there, you know, makes you, you know, it just helps the helps with the mental strength, um, you know, because a few of your races, you are running against the clock and you are front running. Um, what did you find in Europe? Um, like, did you find that having a few people, you know, a lot more people around your ability, um, really sort of got the best out of out of you um because i think like with that 3k and 5k pb you did back in 2019 they were sort of 20 second pbs so um yeah yeah Yeah. like uh yeah like how um how how big a difference did um you know running over in europe um make um for those performances Oh, it's just huge, you know, like uh, in, in New Zealand, the majority of the time it's big fish, small pond, but over there, it's just, you know, the, the pool of athletes that they've got is just, you know, is just incredible. And not only are there so many amazing athletes there, but so many athletes come in there over that summer season. So, you know, that race in Belfast, I was running against um, two really great Japanese runners, um, a Swiss guy who won the World University Games, uh, you know, there are a few British, a couple of well people a couple irish people so you know it's just it's huge i also raced at houston zolder um where so i ran my pb i think i ran 13 52 there um and i've been put on the d race which was just it's just ridiculous thinking that a d race could be you know the winners could be running 13 30 uh 13 51 52 um and you know i think yeah matt baxter he only made it into the c race and that was one in 13 40 so you know it's just just <laughs> the the, ca- the caliber of athletes is just ridiculous yeah yeah no mm. uh, it must be um yes so good um to have those experiences i guess with covid um, going forward, like it, it's great that you've got, you know, um, uh, yeah, a few of the, you know, the New Zealand, the top guns that are normally abroad, you know, back home so that you can have, you know, a big hit, hit out over 5,000. Um, with making Tokyo, um, uh, like, w- will you be trying to accumulate points or will you be trying to run the, the time? Um, yeah, like, what, what's, um, What's your sort of um, goal to try to get there? Um, well, I think the the, the, so the best thing for me is trying to accumulate points. Um, when that point system came out, Pallone was almost laughing all the way to the bank because he said that if there was a qualification a process that would benefit me, if he was to write an ideal one, you know, it would, it would most likely be that. So, you know, using things like New Zealand events, Oceania champs and that kind of thing, um, and manipulating those to your advantage, that's perfect. Uh, and, you know, like at the moment, points-wise, I'm, I'm sitting pretty good. I still obviously need to make up, I think, 15, 20 places uh, to, to be in the mix for Athletic New Zealand to pack me. Um, 
but in saying that, um, you know, that 13, that 13, 13, it may sound silly, even though, you know, I've just run a PB of 13, 38, and thinking, okay, well, that's 25 seconds, you know, that's, that's two seconds a lap. Um, but it's not really, it's not really that big of a, that big of a push. Um, yep. Because I know I know that you know compared to that thirteen video, I'm already in much better shape now than I was, yep. and uh, can definitely run a lot faster. And then I mean, when you're running in New Zealand, you've got that step up to Europe as well, so you know you can run faster over there. You've also got that step up for if you do altitude training and that kind of thing. And um, you know, even just living you know like a full time athlete lifestyle um, is just you know just those one percenters. Um, which helps. Um, so I think, yeah, ultimately points, um, but I'm definitely, definitely thinking I'd like to be knocking on the door of that auto qualify this season. Nice, nice. So with that yeah. um, recent 13.38 at the night of fives um, uh, on the 18th of December, look, um, take us through that race and um, was it a particularly fast race or, or um, you know, how are the conditions and, uh, um yeah, also, like, you sort of um, feel that you're in, in better nick now. What are some of, you know, some of the sessions that you've done recently that make, give you the confidence that you can go quicker? Yeah, so, I mean, yeah, that race was, that race was stacked, you know, it was probably one of the most stacked 5K race, 5K races we've had in um, New Zealand. I'd almost have to say this millennium, to be honest. I don't know if anything happened um, early enough 2000s for a that stacked, but I could be wrong. So hopefully the, the golden oldies don't get aggro at me for that one. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, but you know, it was, it was, it was an awesome race to be a part of. And, you know, coming in fourth behind three New Zealanders and running 1338 in New Zealand, um, you know, that's that's awesome. Like, I mean, oh, actually, was I the fourth? Oh, no, it was third. As um, Bex was fourth. But, you know, and he was the same. You know, he was saying, you know, if we're running third and fourth and getting beaten by New Zealanders, then that just means that the state of New Zealand running at the moment is awesome. Um, yeah, I'm pretty happy, though, because I'm, I'm a lot younger than these blokes as well. So to be to be mixing up with them is still awesome. Like, I mean, I'll still be able to go out and beat them uh, next race because, you know, that's just... That's the mentality that you got, yeah, that you got to have, and that kind of thing. Um, but yeah, no, I've I've sort of been sworn to secrecy by Pallone a wee bit, um, and the and the lead up to these races because he doesn't want me to doesn't want me to tell everyone um, like about yeah. all the session and stuff. But I think what I've been doing now is just a wee bit more five k specific stuff. Um, and the lead up to the ten k that I've done in Wellington, it had just been you know a lot of threshold and steady state work um, with a little bit of track stuff and a little bit of ten k stuff, but nothing super specific and definitely nothing you know I hadn't done any running at five k speed, which actually funnily enough was one of the biggest shocks going into that five k was you know starting off and going okay yeah we're running 65, 64 second laps here. Um, pretty you know pretty tough going um but it, you just realize that you're actually comfortable at that speed but it just seems like it's super quick um so yeah just just 5k specific stuff and you know just trying to you know just get that leg turnover going again um uh, because as i sort of do a way bit more speed work and that's sort of, you know when the kick sort of starts to come in because that doesn't come as easily for a, a slightly slower guy like me than it does for you know the milers and stuff who are moving up to 5k yep yeah, nice. So you've got a bit yeah. more specific yeah. recently, and, and sort of sharpening yeah. sharpening up. 
Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah uh, I guess um, with um, that list that you wrote when you started with Pallone, um, what are some of the things that you wrote on that you don't respond to yourself and then what are some of the mm. things that you do respond to like in training training wise um that i know it's individual and everyone's different but what what have you mm. found um personally um uh works well for, for you like what do you respond from training wise yeah so for me like when i made that list it was all very um none of it was particularly broad i'd sort of put down specific sessions where i was like no nah, i don't like that i don't like that or this does work for me and that kind of thing so the kind of things that do work for me like i love long runs i love you know and that's why often i'll have you know my week will just the only work during that week will consist of two long runs an hour 40 in midweek and like two two and a quarter in the um in the weekend but the long runs are, are hard you know like we'll we'll do that white hat circuit which is um 33k so what yeah just over just over 20 miles um and you know we'll do that sometimes in two hours 10 two hours 15 with all that climbing as well so you're essentially doing threshold your steady state work going up the hills and then your recovery is on the downhills um so those kind of things i just love like love long runs and again i work really well just off doing a lot of aerobic stuff um you know a lot of threshold and steady state work um when i first started with pallone i uh, had my lactate threshold tested just for heart rates and that kind of thing and i do a lot of work based off those heart rates um, as well. And yeah, so I mean, a lot, and Caden's actually very similar and, you know, doing a lot of aerobic work. And one of the things that really doesn't work for me is, you know, anaerobic stuff. Obviously, you've got to go anaerobic at times, you know, doing quick 200s or 150s just to, to get that speed up. Um, so yeah to be quite honest the the stuff that just doesn't work for me is just anaerobic or just really going to the well i can't i don't yeah i've never actually been to the well in a session with pallone i've never had to dig super super deep because the whole point of those sessions especially being aerobic is you do them and you're tired and you can't really you don't think you can do any more in your legs but you still recover pretty quickly yeah 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 nice yeah. Yeah, I remember um, Caden and, and um, yeah, uh, Chris, yeah, sort of me mentioning um, that, yeah, that's a, s a similar sort of setup to what Caden has for his training as well. Mm. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, you're only 22. Um, yeah. You've got like another couple of Olympic cycles probably ahead, ahead of you. Um, so 2024, yeah, 2028, um, you know, if you can sort of uh, look ahead in five to 10 years, uh, what mm. would you have loved to have achieved um, in the sport, um, in, in athletics, um, and then even even just life-wise and, and career-wise? Yeah, so I mean, I think starting, starting career-wise with, you know, the whole running thing, you know, five to 10 years, um, it's not even for me now it's not even like i'd love to i'd love to make an olympics for me now it's i'll make it to an olympics it's just gonna be you know which one um if it's tokyo then that's perfect because i'll go to paris as well on 24 um <laughs> and then i think and then and then la in 28 um if i don't make it to tokyo then that just fuels the fire even more for for 24 and 28 um just love to be able to go and 
to compete at as many of these, you know, big championships as, as you can, you know, world champs and that kind of thing. I'd imagine that the Commonwealth Games is probably going to be out the back door pretty soon because popularity is really dying out. But, I mean, it would be cool, you know, even to compete at a Commonwealth Games, um, yeah, you know, world champs, stuff like world cross country. Um, and, you know, things like, you know, making the final of like a, making the final of a world champs and, or making the final of, a, of an Olympics. And I mean, if, if you can make a final, then, you know, why not aim for a medal? Yeah, no, fantastic. Yeah. And then, um, yeah, listeners are probably interested in uh, what you're doing outside of running. Um, you mentioned to me that you've just started um, uh, a new new uni course um, in management yeah. and marketing. Um, yeah, mm. so what does that involve? Yeah, so uh, so that's through Massey University. So that's a university in the North Island, New Zealand. So I just do uh, like correspondence distance learning. So it's all just online, which I mean, funnily enough, is how a lot of students nowadays are because of COVID, um, that's, you know, how they're, how they're studying. Um, and yeah, I mean, that's all, that's going really good. I think it was, I'd started doing a bit of study as soon as I left, uh, as soon as I left school, which was sort of what, um, one of the things that led to the small demise at the end of 2016 and the, and the whole running thing. Um, but after I'd sort of, you know, I gave myself a, a good, two and a half, three years just to, you know, sit out of it and, you know, not do any of that kind of thing. Because I just didn't want to waste a whole lot of money on something that, you know, that's that's not going to serve me um, and isn't, doesn't actually interest me that much. And so I decided, you know, middle of last year that I was ready to, I think I was ready to, to give something a crack. And, you know, for, you know it, it ended up working out pretty well. So, yes, I'm doing a doing uh, full-time study this year in management and marketing uh, through Massey and yeah I'd love to do ultimately would love to be able to do something you know in, in the sports management realm which I mean is quite common I guess for for guys you know guys go into management they go oh yeah I'd quite like to do sports management but I think the difference is um, you know be able to bring uh, a lot of you know personal experience and stuff and into that as well and um, yeah it would just be a role that would be just be really interesting, I think. Nice, and didn't you mm. nail your first assignment? You um, got a, got an A, or yeah, um, you yeah, started off well, all I right. Did, I, I was only part time. I was only part time um, that last semester. Just I wanted to try two papers and see how I'd deal with the workload and that kind of thing with all the running and stuff. And yeah, got got an A minus and an A. So I mean, I'm yeah, pretty was pretty stoked with that, to be honest. Yeah, yeah, and that's all online. Uh, yeah, so all online. Yep. Um, a lot of the exams they usually do, they'll set up for you to do at an exam hall, and you know, in your city. But obviously, because of COVID, um, they were all just online. So, yeah, so open book, so that definitely helps. But yeah, nice. What would you regard like at, um, as your some of your greatest strengths and assets as a runner? Um, yeah, like both mentally and and physically. Well, definitely not my height. <laughs> definitely not my height. And Pallone would say the exact same thing. He would say definitely not his height and definitely not his weight. Uh, <laughs> definitely physically. That, yeah, definitely not my um, not my strongest suit. Um, yeah, I've got to make do with pointy elbows being this small, unfortunately, <laughs> in the in, in the distance world. But um, yeah, I think I think you know the one of the biggest things and it's one thing that Pallone uh, mentioned when he was on the podcast is just being um, 
just being, you know, sure of oneself and, you know, I can turn up to races and that kind of thing. And, um, you know, it's one of the things that he said was quite impressive going to Europe was just, you know, going to Houston Zola where there's thousands of people, you know, Henrik Ingebrigtsen was running in like the A5K and stuff. And it just, to me, it wasn't all intimidate. It wasn't intimidating. It wasn't scary. It was just, it was awesome. It was a great atmosphere to be a part of. And, you know, I'd been absolutely hamstrung and put in the D race when, you know, the likes of Baxter myself should have been, you know, at least the C, if not the B race. Um, but just, it took it all on my stride. And, you know, I think it's, um, yeah, I think just having a more relaxed approach to everything um, especially to racing and um, and to training and stuff, sort of what will be will be. Um, just it takes, if you have that kind of mindset, then it just takes so much pressure off you. And I think having that mindset um, comes down to, uh, you know, the training that you've all done before, you know, and, and everything that you've done before. And then, you know, you know that you're in a good spot, so you can just go and be relaxed um, when you get to the event, you know, that kind of thing. Is that something you've had to learn over time, like to be... To, to big be, time, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah big time, yeah. And then, like, I, when I was younger, when I was, you know, in, in high school and, um, and like, the under-18s and under-20s, I was... Um, Definitely in high school, you know, pretty much everyone was like in high school with you know, asking everyone what their PBs are and how fast did you run and, you know, what have you done this, what have you done in that. And um, I think it was a really, used to be a really big thing for distance runners to try and, you know, get headphones on, just get really G'd up and, you know, get up before you do your race. And I sort of started to get into that, but that just releases all your adrenaline, just all your nervous energy and stuff. And it is, it is a learning process, definitely. Uh, and, you know, that learning process uh, just ends up, you just you just work through it and through it and you find what works for you. You know, I, you know, some people do need to listen to music before it, but, you know, I'm usually just sitting on, you know, a grassy bank with a whole lot of people just chatting and then it's sort of, okay, 40 minutes till race time. Let's, let's go warm up. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, good, good. That's um, really good for a lot of people to hear because um, I think we can, um, yeah, waste a lot of nervous energy just overthinking um, our goals and our races. Um, exactly, yeah. Yeah. What are some other like things that you've you've really you can really look back and go, yeah, I, some key learnings in your career? Um, you know, whether it was you know hailing back to your your sacral stressy or uh, and things that you've learnt from that or. Um, yeah, what, what, what are some other key learnings that you, um, you really sort of, that are specific to you that you really go, oh, yeah, I remember, you know, changing the way I thought about running there? Um, I, to be honest, I don't think I've had any, like, any major points where I've gone, okay, yeah, I've been doing this completely wrong. I need to, I need to, you know, take a step back and completely change. Obviously, you know, you have small moments where you're like, okay, maybe I need to, you know, need a bit of a kick up the arse or that kind of thing I would personally say the only time where that's really happened was it was actually due to Caden um, and we'd had a race we'd raced a 3k in Dunedin and um, I'd just beaten him but there was a guy from Southland who I used to run against quite a bit and he'd absolutely smoked us he'd beaten us by about 15 seconds and he'd run a pretty solid time as well um, and I was just gutted and I was just thinking oh well 
yeah, I mean, that doesn't really make sense. Like, I thought I was training well and that kind of thing. And you came and I, we had a good chat after the race. And, uh, you know, we had a warm down. And he said, you know, you're not going to, you're going to plateau pretty soon if you keep on doing what you're doing. You know, you need to, you need to change. Um, and change, you, you know, you, you need a coach who's actually going to look after you and someone who's actually going to be able to get you to the next level. And I mean, he was obviously, you know, he, he was talking about Pallone and uh, Pallone also at the time was coaching um, a mate of mine, Sam Bremer. Uh, and Sam was getting some really good results and not training very well, even though he's very injury prone, he was training very well. And so that was the only sort of massive kick I got from going, okay, I need to just go after this and just do what's best for me. And I mean, it was, I would say it's probably the most selfish thing I've done. Not, I don't think selfish is the right word, but for lack of a better word, selfish. Um, yeah. Because yeah. I was just doing it all for me. Um, yeah. And it was really regards what other people were going to think or yeah. say or do. And, you know, including my old coach, I just wanted to do this and make the decision and stick with it. Yeah. Yeah, nice. Mm. And then mm. uh, what about like um, when you sort of reflect on, on your sacral stress fracture, is there anything that yeah. you learned from that? And, and, and when you reflect on it, like why do you reckon you got that? Um, and, and what have you changed since as well? Um, yeah, I think the, the difficult thing with the stress fracture and, and, and talking with Caden and that kind of thing was the difficult thing was that it just wasn't one thing. I hadn't gone out and, you know, done something, one thing that was really stupid and that's what had caused it. It had just been a culmination of, you know, like I'd done the Auckland half and, you know, that was obviously my first quick half that I'd ever done. Um, I'd paced Hamish Carson and the same event that I just ran my 10 KPB. Um, so the year before I'd paced him for about 7K. Uh, I think that was maybe like a week and a half later. And then it was just a mixture of um, I'd had a four week four week stint in an altitude tent, and I'd been doing my midweek long runs and weekend long runs, um, but they were all I was doing them all quite hard and taking the downhill was a bit too um, a bit too solid. The, and um, I was also running it I was running in um, shoes that were just too soft, so if your feet were just collapsing in and so that's what was causing problem because I have a bit of a problem with my right hand side just with my knee dropping in a wee bit and just sort of that, that stabilisation and so that was just that caused it big time um, so yeah so I didn't have to change anything massive but Caden effectively said that the biggest problem was that my engine was just way too good for the body that it was in at the yep. moment I was just so so fit um, that I couldn't I was just so fit you know I was going out and doing these massive runs and massive sessions and I just wasn't tired from it so I just yep. the next day be fine and then my body just couldn't keep up yeah yes um, even um, last week's interview with Jai Edwards uh, mm. he, he seemed to go through a, a pretty similar similar thing um, at, a, at a similar age um, I think it's just tricky because like i don't think you reach skeletal maturity um you know sort of until sort of that mid-20s so especially while you're so yeah. talented and and um you know running's coming pretty easy to you <laughs> it's easy to yeah. um sort of race along and, and the meanwhile the body's still building resilience so 
Um, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, and I mean, and I, Pallone mentioned that as well. Um, but I mean, because he still trains me as though I'm only about 19 years old. Yeah. Because I mean, because like, I'm, I'm still growing at the moment, you know, like I was a pretty late developer and that kind of thing. Um, so, you know, body maturity wise, I'm still, you know, at 19, 20. So I'm still two or three years, you know, behind where I should be. And, you know, that's why, you know, I don't, I'm not going out and running, you know, 180k weeks not even running 100 mile weeks i think the biggest week i've ever done is mid 140s or something like that and that's the biggest week ever um so you know like i'm, I'm not going out and smashing huge mileage just because it's, it's just not going to be beneficial nice ollie um i'm pretty interested to also hear if the marathon eventually holds any um any significance to you or if you see yourself one day yeah, uh, moving time. up yeah big time yeah yeah <laughs> Yeah, 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 that's, um, I definitely, I mean, I think it, it definitely is, you know, a natural progression for people to move to the marathon. Um, I would quite like to be able to have a crack at the marathon and not let that be, you know, the final year, the final heyday of your career and then you're done. Um, I'd like to have a really good crack on the track um, and then do, you know, what I think I can do on there. And then, um, but I think also because of the training that I do, I don't see any reason why you can't run a really good marathon and also be a really good track runner. Um, you know, I think someone like um, someone like Farah is actually a really good example because you know he's obviously still a very good ten k runner, but can also run. He's definitely not built for the marathon. Um, but you know, someone like Kipchoge, you know, great marathon runner, but he'd still, you know, with the best marathon runner ever, but he'd still be able to run a really good 10k. So it's, yep. there's no reason, you know, why that training can't correspond with the other training. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. And then, um, I'm wary of the time. Like I've, I've held you up a fair bit. Um, but <laughs> yeah, like I'd love to, you know, this is a pretty hard question and, um, uh, Jai last week had a bit of difficulty answering it, but What's something that all listeners wouldn't know about you? Like, what's something that you don't, that's something interesting about yourself that uh, you don't think many people would know about you? Uh, what's something interesting about myself and not many people would know about me? Hmm. <laughs> I'm not, I'd, I'd like, to think of a, like to think I'm a fairly open book, to be honest. Um, yeah. yeah, I try not to, try not to hide anything, um, you know, hide things um what what are some hmm. what are some hobbies and 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 interests outside of running um that you absolutely love and and you live for um i still i still call it, follow football quite a bit um yeah still a manchester united fan at heart so <laughs> i've been with them since wayne rooney was playing number eight for everton so um yeah so still a big fan of them um i you know quite enjoy playing golf and um and that kind of thing um do really enjoy, you know, when the time's right, meeting up with my mates and, you know, going out to town and have, having a good night on Saturday and that kind of thing. <laughs> um, you know, and I think that that's, you know, that's also one of the things that um, is sort of, uh, you know, people don't really, people don't really talk about that much because they see it as frowned upon. But, you know, athletes are normal people, you know, especially living in Dunedin, you know, you've got to, you've got to have a normal life and, and that kind of thing. You've got mates and, mates like to drink and so you go and do that with them and it's a good fun do you see yourself um in Dunedin for the the long term um I would really like to um I would really like to move at some point where I'm not too sure uh definitely somewhere warmer 
that's that's guaranteed um i couldn't see myself moving anywhere like in the north island uh, of new zealand so it would probably be looking at you know somewhere australia or uh, or potentially europe but that's probably something um not and it's not ages down the line but you know it might be you know a, a few years down the line or that kind of thing uh but that would be awesome and, you know if i can get somewhere which had a great distance running hub then um then yeah, there's a good, good uh, group of marathon boys in London. So there we go. I mean, good group, obviously a good group of um, a good group of Melbourne boys around the marathon at the moment. Oh, Rain, Rainer and Robbo. So yeah, be pretty awesome. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, and yeah. uh, lastly, is the moustache here to stay? Um, I think so. Yeah, I um, <laughs> I did I did Movember. I didn't do it any fundraising mainly because I was so worried that it was just going to be so pitiful. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, sh- shaved it off, uh, shaved it off, and as soon as Movember finished, and um, the missus did not did not rate it. She she wanted me to grow it back, so um, <laughs> grow it back, and and I I think so. I think it might have to stay. I mean, if all these disgusting mullets are here to stay then i reckon people can deal with a moustache to be honest eh? <laughs> fantastic ollie no it's been a pleasure talking to you and like i think a lot of um listeners will um have loved loved this chat and um they'll be keen to follow your progress um over um you know the lead up to tokyo and, and beyond so uh thanks for your time and um yeah it's been great thanks so much mate happy to be here yeah awesome ollie Thank you.